Welcome to the club no one ever wanted to join. This is Refused, the unofficial podcast of Eliasm.org. Having a tough time spelling that? It's an acronym for I Live in a Sexless Marriage. Listen to stories, articles, and sometimes the dark humor experienced by those in sexless marriages here on Refused. On Eliasm.org, you'll see much wiser people than me give advice on coping with sexless marriage. And you may see my less useful posts under the name Mirror Orchid. Until then, you've suffered enough. On with the show. This is the fifth of a six-part series which appeared on the Curmudgeonly Librarian blog in 2015. The same caveat applies to this episode as the previous four addressing essays presented to you at John Mashita's speed. If you skip the first four episodes, that's on you. CSL is unabashedly and unashamedly a conservative Christian, and what he writes reflects his belief. Forewarned is forearmed, and if that's too much to swallow, then please spare yourself any perturbation. No harm, no foul, as they say. For the purpose of pronoun simplicity, well, CSL is writing this series to refused husbands, wives that desire more sexual intimacy should keep listening, because pretty much everything he says should apply to their situation as well. In the four previous podcasts of this Addressing the Sexless Marriage series, I presented two possible ways to approach a refusing gatekeeping spouse, presented a number of different ideas for responding to refusing, and including links to different resources that discuss sexless marriage. So why did I do all this? Is my purpose merely to grouse, kvetch, and complain? After all, kvetching is what we coots do best. So I'm just venting my spleen for the world's edification? Not hardly. I know that nothing is easier or more tempting for guys than to go along with whatever situation we are in, as long as we can have some semblance of peace and or quiet in our homes. For most men, yelling and fighting when we come home ranks right up there with root canals without benefit of Novocaine. But when experts tell us that approximately 20% of all marriages are sexless and when I read the anti-marriage testimonials of refused and denied spouses on different message boards, Christian and non, and when I read the frustration and fear that many refused spouses express, I can't keep quiet. I guess I'm like the fool in Proverbs 29:11, who gives full vent to his spirit. Well, so be it. Here's a bit of truth that, for some reason, has gotten lost today. Marriage isn't supposed to hurt. Years ago, I was discussing church practices with a wise pastor, and in the midst of our discussion, he said, Church isn't supposed to hurt. On my blog, I did a three-part series entitled Happy versus Holy, in which I addressed this whole pseudo-debate about whether marriage is for making you holy or happy. Yes, non-Christians, this is really a thing in Christian marriage counseling. Isn't it interesting that no one ever says about church, you aren't supposed to be happy in your church? After all, church is there to make you holy. We're willing to talk about toxic churches and toxic faith, but we really don't like to entertain the idea that some marriages can be toxic, do we? I'm going to say it again. Marriage isn't supposed to hurt. If your marriage is hurting you, then by Billy Bedamned Hangtree, this apparently is CSL's favorite curse phrase, do something about it. 
The purpose of this whole Addressing Sexless Marriages series is to help people see that there are alternatives and options to enduring misery and hurt. Again, if you're being hurt in your marriage by your marriage, then do something to change your marriage. Ever hear this? Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Yeesh. First off, that's some pretty stinking reasoning there, don't you think? I mean, sure, my marriage stinks, but it could always be worse. Is hardly a ringing endorsement for the institution, is it? Hoo boy. With the world questioning the value of marriage, it's really quite the winning argument for Christians to say, well, yeah, it sucks, but that's life. With evangelism like that, no wonder marriage is going nowhere. Second, if you found yourself nodding in agreement with the whole devil you know versus devil you don't quote, it's pretty revealing that you could even find yourself comparing to accepting devils. You know what? Maybe I should just leave that one alone. I can hear someone saying, Brother curmudgeon, we agree that refusal and or gatekeeping is wrong, but you don't know our situations. We've got wives or husbands, haven't forgotten you refused wives, that would take to the warpath if we did any of those things you suggested. After all, one of your ideas calls for separation. That would be expensive. What you're saying is true. I don't know your wives or husbands, and I don't know your situations, and yes, I do know that the ideas that I am presenting are provocative, and may be provocative in the extreme. And yes, I do know that separation would be expensive. All this is true. But underneath all these reasons, excuses, deflections, the question is still there, refusing to be ignored. Does your marriage make you happy or miserable? If the latter is true, and if there is something that you can do, something within your power to change this, is it not worthwhile to give thought to the possibility of having a truly good marriage? So what does it matter? If I don't know, you do. Yes, you know your situations. Those of you who are miserable, feeling trapped by your faith in a marriage that is nothing like what you felt was promised to you by God and the church, do something. Why is it that we can go out into the world and work our butts off to provide the life that we want for our families, but can't come back into our own homes and work to have the marriage that we want. The purpose for all these talks, tactics, suggestions, and encouragements in these podcasts is to encourage you to do that very thing, to work for that marriage that you want. Just this week, I read another story of a spouse being teased and jolly during the day with hints of intimacy, then being shot down at bedtime when trying to initiate sex. Then to add insult to injury the next day, when expressing annoyance about the tease, this person got the, you're an addict, all you think about is sex, business. The final capper to this tale of woe was that this poor refused spouse ended up apologizing for having caused a fight. It's not enough that the refuser has made the marriage a misery for the other spouse. Who knew? The refused is told, you're the problem. You're a sex addict. Gah! the wisdom of Mark Twain, Ben Franklin, and wife. A while back, a fellow blogger and online friend asked me about the scope of my blog, 
about possibly seeing it as a, quote, ministry, unquote, about whether or not I could see myself creating, through this blog, a safe place for refused husbands to land. At the time, that just seemed weird to me because I basically saw my blog as a safe place for this old coot to coot around. I do hope that refused spouses, especially men, can come to this blog and podcast now and feel safe. I do know that many feel that they can't talk to their wives about sex, for various and sundry reasons, but here's what I do know. While there is a place for talking, there is also a place for doing something. One of my favorite Mark Twain quotes deals with this very thing. Thunder's good, thunder's loud, but it's lightning that does the work. There is a time for talking, but there is also a time for striking, for taking action. There comes a time when you have to rip the bandage off and expose the festering wound to the open air for healing. One man that I am familiar with tells how he had 15 years of a good marriage. It was a peaceful marriage and a sexless marriage, and his wife was oh so happy. But then he decided to take action and start addressing the sexless state of his marriage, and the next two years were the worst two of his marriage, and he and his wife constantly fought about sex. But his marriage changed, eventually, for the better. I am making no guarantees, no promises. I can't possibly do that. I can only point out that your options are, one, do nothing and hope your marriage will change, or two, do something to try to change your marriage. Wife and I were talking about this post for a couple days ago, and she put it simply, anything worth having is worth fighting for. So while I do hope that refused husbands and wives can feel safe in coming to my blog, my real hope is that you will work to make your home the safe place that Christian marriage is supposed to be. The old Ben Franklin line, he who gives up freedom for safety deserves neither, applies here. Don't be lulled into believing that giving up a sex life will make your marriage right. In his introduction, CSL referred to a series of posts he wrote for his blog entitled Happy or Holy. If you are interested in reading them, go to his blog at curmudgeonlylibrarian.wordpress.com and use the search function to look up Happy or Holy. That's today's show. Thanks for listening. Drop by eliasm.org to learn a whole lot more about sexless marriages and what to do about them. Or just find a sympathetic ear. That's I-L-I-A-S-M dot org. We're sorry you tuned in, but do it again soon. This podcast was narrated and edited by Muir Orchid. The Addressing the Sexless Marriage essay series is written by CSL and can be found at curmudgeonlylibrarian.wordpress.com. The intro and outro music is sampled from the instrumental Drown in Thoughts on the album Illusions by X Tickerex, whose name I may be butchering, available at freemusicarchive.org. This episode of Refused is not brought to you by Sunshine's Golden Fruit Cookies, lightly sweet biscuit filled with so many chewy sweet raisins, they almost qualified as nutritious food. Maybe we would be sponsored by Golden Fruit if they hadn't been discontinued by Kellogg's in 2001. Thanks, guys. Really, 
Thank you, Sideways. So long. You're not alone. It'll be okay. I need a better sign-off.